Welcome to a special edition Locked on Jazz coming to you about the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies playoff special Locked on Jazz sort of bada 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 boom kind of not really a full Locked on Jazz. It is brought to you by our good friends at Murdoch Hyundai and Murdoch Chevy as well as our good friends at Built Bar. Special edition Saturday. We now know our opponent. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. The Jazz will be playing the Grizzlies and we'll break it down for you here. We'll take your questions as we are live on Instagram. We are also live on uh, Facebook. The Grizzlies, excuse me, the Heat and the Bucks are still going on over here. So if you see me peek over in this direction, uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, but we're going to break this one down for you. Take your questions. We'll go for a little while, uh, but a special edition for you that hopefully you get a chance before the game. So the Jazz play the Grizzlies. The big, this is good news. It's, you know, the best player on the floor last night was Steph Curry offensively. And the best player on the floor defensively is Draymond Green. And they have that playoff experience, but give the Grizzlies just a world of credit. John Morant was amazing, but I generally would say that this is a, a, a pretty darn good scenario for the Jazz. The other reason I think this is a really good scenario for the Jazz is it allows the Jazz to do what they do. The Jazz are one of the best pick-and-roll teams in the league offensively and defensively, and Golden State doesn't play a lot of pick-and-roll offensively, and they certainly dunk in Robinson, um, and they don't really allow you to get a lot of the Williams purple cow. My son's going there next year. Um, anyway, uh, and, the, and, the, and the Grizzlies let us get into – uh, our pick and roll game. Now they're going to do some things differently. They changed the way they defended a great deal in the three games. We'll walk through that. I've got some interesting notes on what worked and what didn't. We beat them three games in a span of four. Donovan didn't play one of them. Mike didn't play one of them. We were able to win all three. Uh, but generally, you know, I think also the experience advantage is now on the Jazz. So with no disrespect to what Memphis did this year, I think Taylor Jenkins should be talked about as coach of the year with their injuries and what they are. And frankly, one thing I've really been thinking about all day as I've been preparing you look at the Memphis Grizzlies and you look at the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I think most of us would think one of those rosters is way better than the other. So what, why, like, why does one of these teams keep winning and making the playoffs and the other one not? And I, I think that that's um, something that we frankly should look at and try to figure out, you know, what, what is it that's going on there? Uh, and to understand the game uh, a little bit better than we do right now, because Somehow we're miscalculating on that. Memphis Memphis is winning for a reason, and they're doing things well, and they deserve that credit. Let's let's look at who Memphis is, give you a little breakdown of that. Memphis comes in as the 16th-ranked offensive team and the 7th-ranked defensive team in the league. I think the fact that they're 16th offensively and it somewhat could have some problems scoring is vital. When the Jazz have a good defensive game this year, they don't lose. When their defensive rating is under 106, the Jazz are 34-1 and one this year. So if you can't really score it against the Jazz, that's probably an advantage. By the way, Memphis had a better offense all year long than the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, in that comparison, Memphis is 22nd in the league in shooting effective field goal percentage. They're the fifth best team in the league at taking care of the ball. So we'll see very few turnovers because we don't force any, and they're not going to commit many. They are the fourth best offensive rebounding team. This will be a big challenge for us. We're a very good defensive rebounding team, but at times we've been overpowered in that area. They do not go to the free throw line very much, and we do not foul very much. So expect very few free throw attempts um, for Memphis in that. On the defensive end, they're the seventh best defense in the league, 12th best against the shot, seventh best team in the league defensively and forcing turnovers. They're the number four team in the league in deflections. We're last in the league 
in deflection. So they're going to get out. They're going to reach. They're going to get into our passing lanes. Game two, particularly, they were really going after a lot of those. I'm, I have not rewatched the three games. I'll do that tomorrow. I've kind of done all of my jazz prep. I'll do Memphis tonight, and then I watch the three games tomorrow. And then I have too much information to actually call a game well. Um, we're the 14th. They're the 14th defensive rebounding team. We're, when we get our offensive boards, we are great. When our offensive rebounding rate is above 28%, or 31-7 and seven this year. Um, interesting note about those turnovers. I'm not suggesting that we go turn it over, but when our turnover rate is over 16%, we're 17-2. and two. I think that's a sign that we're moving it, skipping it, getting it places. We turn it over every now and then in those circumstances that allow us to do that. Uh, minute 19 left, Miami and Milwaukee are tied at 104, by the way. Um, I could call this. It's no different than calling a road game in the NBA. I'm mean, here's holiday at the top. I'm doing the same thing. Ryan Ruka is doing it right now. Uh, left side, Lopez outside the three point line guarded by Butler works in the paint, reach in foul on Miami and Brooke Lopez will go to the free throw. Line. See Zach same is what I'll be doing for road games during the playoffs. Um, this is not a Seattle supersonics hat. Somebody asked the colors are a tribute to the Seattle supersonics of locked on. Uh, Memphis is, uh, also 17, the league at not fouling. So from a shot selection standpoint, we really could have a math advantage in this, uh, series. That would be the other thing on who Memphis is. So Memphis is three point shooting Memphis. Uh, they take, they're 27th in the league in three point shot attempts at 31%. We obviously take the most at 45. We could have a game where we take 45, 50 and they end up, uh, taking 25-30, and that's just a huge, huge advantage uh, for us in that matchup. So that that's kind of the matchup of the two teams and what they do. Um, sh- from a shot distribution standpoint, there's a, a few other notes. You know, we're the only team in the league that is in the top five in defensive, uh, not allowing shots at the rim and not allowing shots at, at three. And so the last time we played them, in the three games we played them, we forced the third, second most amount of paint non-restricted areas, and they just took a ton. They took 90-some-odd shots in those uh, games from the paint non-restricted area. So they were that floater game that Memphis uh, was what was li- Memphis was living by in that ball in those early ball games. I'll see if I can find that um, in some of my notes. But they took um, they 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 like lived on that. Um, in that area, I think I left it for my Grizzlies notes, which I haven't uh, finished up yet. But they took over 30 shots in the paint non-restricted area in each of those um, first ball games. Here's the actual opponent area shooting spreadsheet. Oh, no, that's just the Grizzlies. Let's see. I have so many windows open and so much prep being done um, right now. Jazz defensive game by game. Let's see. Opponents, defensive, jazz shooting area, player shooting area, spreadsheets everywhere. Jazz defensive shooting area. Here it is. Memphis Grizzlies shooting in our three games. They took 33 paint non-restricted area shots in game one. They took 30 in game two and 35 in game three. So they took 98 shots in the paint non-restricted area, hit about 40%. That's just a huge advantage for us. If we can deny them at the rim, they took 21, 18, and 22 shots at the rim. So when you look at this matchup, that's the first thing, is that shot distribution difference between the Jazz and the Grizzlies um, and how that jumps out uh, is the kind of the first aspect of things. Now, the Grizzlies defended the Jazz in three 
really different fashions in those games. They made a pretty dramatic change in that third game. The first game, they just dropped Valanchunas as, about as deeply as they possibly could in the first two. And the Jazz had to kind of adjust to that. So that if you look at the Jazz shot distribution, we took 28, 21, 23 shots of the rim. The first time we took 29 paint non-restricted area floaters. That's the second most amount of paint non-restricted area floaters we've taken in any game all year. The only other time we took more was 30 against the Clippers. We took 21 in the next game. Then they changed the way they defended. They got out on us a little bit differently. We didn't have Donovan. We only took 13. Now, in that third game against the Grizzlies, we got 17 corner threes. We went 10 of 17 on corner threes, which is the second best amount of corner threes we've had in any game all season long. But we also went 6 of 32 on above the break threes, only in the game against Toronto before uh, the All-Star break when we went 4 of, right after the All-Star break, we went 4 of 24 on above the break threes. Did we shoot worse in any game all year? So that's definitely a case where I don't think that could happen again for us to have that type of struggle. But, sorry, Trevor Ariza, 4-3, rotates it, Dragic, Buries it, and they're tied at 107 with 20 seconds to play. I can do it. I can do it anywhere. Um, all right. No timeout by Budenholzer. Middleton, between the – this is probably illegal. Uh, this is not play-by-play. Middleton holding. Shot clock is off. Lopez comes to set the pick. Middleton drives to his right. Calmly works. Two seconds. Fade away for the win. Got it. Chris Middleton and Milwaukee. Beats Miami, 109-107. Pow! It's not any different than what we do anymore. Um, so, uh, where was I? Um, so, it's going to be really interesting to watch the, how they defend us and what they choose to do. Um, let's dig into some of the other kind of prep notes I have on this one specific to this matchup. So, Donovan in the first two games against them throttled them. And in the third game, Donovan didn't play. So that's going to be super interesting to see because specifically in these games, both the big guys had a lot of impact. Gobert was the defensive, ran 90 screens with the Jazz with Jonas def- uh, Valanciunas defending, and the Jazz only averaged 0.89 points on those screens. The Jazz destroyed Brandon Clark along the way. They got after Kyle Anderson on some mismatches. They're not going to see Brandon Clark. They actually beat up Xavier Tillman a little bit along the way. Um, the other one that's really interesting is that the, so that not obviously Gobert, when Jonas and Gobert matched up against each other, the most of any two players, uh, for Gobert all year, Gobert guarded Jonas more than any other player in the league. And Jonas, they ran 76 screens with Valanciunas. They only averaged 0.8 points on those screens. Gobert's defense was amazing. What they did do is they were able to go after Boyan a little bit. They got some matches. Kyle Anderson was able to go at Boyan and have some success um, in that regard. So if we look at Memphis's offense, I don't have this perfectly organized right now, kind of all over the map, sorry. Some of the things will be really interesting here with Memphis's offense is Morant going up against both Favors and Gobert did not have a lot of success. Morant has success when they brought Boyan to him. 1.4 points per screen against Boyan, uh, but he only averaged 0.92 or 0.94 against Gobert when they were the big involved head-to-head defensive matchups against Morant actually Royce O'Neal really struggled guarding Morant he went 10 of 16 of the five misses of the six misses five of them were three-pointers he went 10 of 17 or 10 of 11 at the free throw line he had eight assists they scored 32 points in 63 possessions 
Mike Conley, on the other hand, may be able to match quickness with him. Morant went just two of seven, had five points in 36 possessions, so that's it. Morant uh, went two of three on Donovan, and then the switch to Boyan. He went four for five. He had nine points in eight positions and didn't seem really bothered by Gobert, five of nine. The flip side, he was bothered by favors, went just one of seven. So worth keeping an eye on that. The post-up game of Valanchunas, when Gobert was his closest defender, Valanchunas just, just shot just 13 of 30 against Gobert in the three games this year. He had 11 post-ups for just 0.73 points per possession. So that was not something that's very successful uh, for them uh, against the Jazz. On the other side of it, the pick-and-roll game, Donovan had great success going at uh, certain matchups. Uh, it really did not seem to be bothered at all by Valanchunas. We'll see if they change the way they defended. Uh, Donovan really had great success. As I said, they, they kind of torched Brandon Clark, but he's not been playing much. Joe Ingles struggled statistically against them in this in their matchups. Uh, it, or in this matchup against Valanciunas, he had some hard times. Conley was only okay in those matchups. And the Jazz had to exploit um, some other things. What's also interesting is Dylan Brooks, who was so brilliant the other day, uh, did not have a very good defensive matchups against the Jazz. Donovan went seven of nine shooting against Brooks. Conley went four of four against Brooks. Clarkson went two of six, and Boyan went three for four on switches there. So that'll be interesting. The one thing that jumped out to me in prepping is the Jazz seem to have some success on small, small pick and rolls and what they're doing, but I don't know why I haven't gone um, to watch the game, uh, watch those games a great deal uh, yet. So when we start to watch this game and look for some things in this, um, you know, a lot of my notes right now have been uh, about kind of primarily Jazz related, but here's the one in the offense for the Jazz game one, they had a 118 offensive rating. Game two, they had a 114 offensive rating. In game three, it slipped to 107. Now, that was without Donovan, and Donovan was the primary source of the offense of the first two games. But, you know, did they change the way they defended in game three, and is that going to be a way in which they defend for the rest of the uh, – for this playoff series? They really had a very divergent in that third game against the Jazz defensive plan. The Jazz defense, a 114 on game one, really stymied John Morant in the second game held him down to 100 and a 107 in game three. Jazz will win uh, most of the time um, they do that. So that first game, the Jazz had their second fewest three attempts they've had all year. They only took 34% of their shots as threes. In the third game, they took 55% of their shots as threes. So kind of an interesting contrast um, there. And the Jazz did not make a great deal of them. So from an offensive standpoint, Joe Ingles, Pick and roll was less successful. Donovan was very, very successful. Jazz three-point shots went from their second most to one of their biggest in the span, so it'll be interesting to see how they guard it. They forced the Jazz in that second, in that first game into a tremendous amount of little floaters um, that are just bad shots for the Jazz to take. It's not who we are. 29, went 7 of 29 on those, took eight long twos, which is an awful lot for us. By the third matchup, we ended up taking 49 threes even though I think they really kind of went to take away the three. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that. The Jazz should be able to get their pick and roll game going and find the matchups. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You all probably know this if you're tuning in this show, is the jazz, the uniqueness of the Jazz is the fact that, you know, on a course of a night, Donovan over the years run about 26, 5% of our pick and rolls. Ingles has run about 25% of our pick and rolls. And Conley's run about 25% of our pick and rolls. Conley's a little better than the others, but it just kind of, you know, Conley and Gobert run them all, are our best combination, but not by a not by a massive amount. 
Ingles is going to run some with Favors and some with Gobert. Mitchell's going to split between the two, and Conley's going to run all of his um, with Gobert. Defensively, the Jazz, when they have Mike and Rudy together, are absolutely fabulous. And so you're going to watch, and Royce and Gobert together, you're going to watch Memphis now going to Memphis's offense. You're going to watch Memphis do everything they can to try to avoid having Rudy Gobert involved in those pick and rolls. So they'll run Kyle Anderson off the picks and try to get Boyan into those and try to do some of those kind of things and see how the Jazz um, can match that. Memphis wants to run. They play the third most in transition. If we can keep them in the half court, they're not as they're not a great half court offensive team. In fact, if we look at their their strengths, it's to get out, it's to run. They, as I said, uh, in the half court, they run the um, their half court possessions. They run the fewest half court possessions of any team in the NBA. And they're 26 in the league offensively in the half court. So anytime we can keep them, you know, out of that, out of running will be a massive advantage to the Jazz. So to some extent, if we score, then we'll be able to defend um, over the year. All right. That's kind of what I have for you. Um, let's get some of your questions coming in from Trevor on Instagram. Do you think the Jazz will use this series to ease Donovan back into things? Will they hit the ground running? They will hit the ground running. Memphis can beat them in this series. There will be no fiddling around um, like that. They're, the Jazz uh, understand what Memphis is capable of doing, and you start slipping one or two games in a series, and you're in trouble. And frankly, the Jazz have not won a playoff series since they beat Oklahoma City. Like This team needs to win a playoff series and gain that confidence. Do you think uh, – do the Jazz live with Valanchuna shooting threes? Uh, probably. If, Valanch- if Valanchunas beats you from outside, you probably – um, have to deal with it. Are Jazz fans pretty big Mavs fans this week too? I think the Clippers are a better team than Dallas, but quite frankly, whoever wins that series is going to be the better team. So you're going to face someone's good. Luka's unguardable. We don't have any chance on guarding Luka. Um, so I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine we would think if, if Luka is able to will Dallas to win over a more talented Clippers team, I can't imagine we would be able to um, do that. All right, let's get to some of the questions that have come in. Oh, I forgot to put my graphics up and all that kind of fun stuff on the uh, on the live stream show. There, now they're up. All right, let's go to some of the uh, chat gra- chat questions. Um, love the ensemble. The hat and shirt go together. It's the locked on hat I'm wearing. I mean, I've just been working all day, like, you know. And the I got the jazz mountain uh, purple on. Uh, what everyone wants to know, what's the latest with Donovan? I, I don't know anything more than you guys know on Donovan, frankly. Um, we're not allowed into practice this year the way we usually are, nor would I, if I was in practice, would I be able to tell you much, but he's been going through practice. He's told that in his media session, uh, and talked about that. So I think, um, you know, he'll be able to do that. How will Rudy excel? I think Rudy will excel by bending the shot chart. Again, we've just been talking about that a little bit. The fact is that Rudy, it, by forcing them into those floaters, keeping them off the rim, doing what we do best, that'll be the answer. And then, you know, that last night, Golden State got in trouble early in that game because they didn't want to switch because Valanchunas' post-up game was so potent that if they switched, then they ended up feeling that Valanchunas would beat them deep in the post. We don't have that problem. We're not going to switch. We don't switch a lot. We're going to play it to Rudy. And so, therefore, you don't have that same problem. But Golden State fell behind in that game because they didn't play their regular switching defense. Um, Along the way, uh, and that hurt them. Why are jazz tickets so outrageously expensive? The jazz are being super greedy. 
Well, are the Jazz being super? Well, first of all, the reason the Jazz tickets are so expensive is because there's not as many tickets as usual. So this would be what would happen if we ever went to a 13,000 seat stadium. Um, I, I also have a hard time in a, I, I understand that you would like to go. Um, I have a hard time telling a, fa- a a organization that's not been able to bring in revenue all year long, that they're being super greedy by trying to bring in revenue when they're paying the luxury tax. So um, uh, I, I think I would, you know, I'm going to stop on that. Um, will we ever get locked on merch? I don't right now. It's only for the hosts. So, um, I don't know. Um, also, by the way, I mean, there's just supply and demand on tickets. That seems to be really logical. Um, Brooks is very good defensively, but we have more guys than they can score than the Warriors. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the big thing about that's unique to the jazz is you have five different shooters, six different shooters. Here's our, here's our catch and shoot numbers for the season. Boyan, 39%, Clarkson, 37 Yang, 44 O'Neal, 39 Ingles, 49 Mitchell, 43 Conley, 41 Interesting note, Clarkson, post-All-Star break, is 40% on catch-and-shoot. Now, post-All-Star break, he's also 28% on off-the-bounce threes. So hopefully he kind of goes back into his regular mold. The really exciting one is post-All-Star break, Donovan Mitchell, 39% on off-the-bounce threes. Joe Ingles, 40% off-the-bounce threes. Mike Conley, 42. If those three guys hit off the bounce three, so you go under and they bury you, that is something else. I think I have a number. I have a number for everything right now. So if you're actually interested, I have my sheet. So what I do, if you're curious, is I just prep endlessly on this one sheet. I should, I, can I, I can't share a screen like a Zoom. And, but I, um, I, I do, so I have that. And then what I will do is I will reduce this down to three or four notes per player that I actually think are worthwhile. Uh, Mike Conley this year was in the 94th percentile on off-the-bounce dribbles. When I have a note somewhere, when someone goes under on him in the pick-and-roll, he, he's unbelievable. Um, 70% effective field goal percentage when someone goes under. If Mike Conley and Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell can hit off-the-bounce threes in the playoffs, we win. We win the whole thing. Just... We become stop unstoppable offensively, and our defense is good enough. Um, so I think that's you know I think that's huge. Um, I feel there's going to, there's going to be a I feel there are going to be a lot of long series in the first round, except us. I mean, this I, I preach that the one series mat the one seed mattered because I mean Memphis has got to be on empty right now. If you can go grab game one and game two because Memphis was tired, now they get to Wednesday to rest, but that's still a big deal. And then you can go, if you can go get, you know, one because of rest, two because you just beat them at home and then go get one down there. They're, they've had a successful season. You're up 3-1. You close this thing out in five while Dallas and the Clippers go beat the hell out of each other. That'd be great. Um, yes, the locked on colors are a tribute to the Sonics. Um, how great is it that Lauren Jackson is going to the Hall of Fame, says Philip, who's in Australia. Not about anything about this series, but the best because I love Lazzie. Um, Eugene says jazz in six and sports jazz fans are probably mad at him that he only, that he said the jazz in six. Um, good day. Uh, I told everyone that Memphis would win by four plus. Well, good Cody Strickland. If you need betting advice, talk to Cody. How has Gobert versus Valanchunas gone this year? Gobert has been very good against Valanchunas. Um, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. You might not have heard it in the specific matchups as I run down my notes. Jonas is shooting 13 of 30, a little under 50% when guarded by Gobert. And on post-ups, 
He's only averaging 0.73 points per post up. So that's really not an option for them. They don't do a great deal of that. Um, on the way, Nathan says, what should we watch for top minutes in our guys? I, I would suspect, you know, I mean, it gets interesting here because I'm certain you're going to extend out a little bit with Rudy and, but Faves is important and Niang's been great averaging 12 points as a starter. And so, you know, yeah, you probably want to stretch out, but Donovan, you're not going to go suddenly play him 38 right now. He's going to lack some conditioning. As Quinn said today in the media session, you're not going from zero to a hundred. Mike's got the hamstrings. You know, so I, I actually think you'll see our rotation being somewhat regular, particularly coming off a week off to see if we can get things um, ramped up. Hey, here's our gambling advice. Cody Strickland says, this is the best series for Donovan to, uh, let's see, what does he say? My screen is being blocked. To come in and ease into playing time for better recovery and shake off the rust. I mean, I guess. I mean, you're really disrespecting a pretty good Memphis team. Here's the thing about these games. So Memphis is the eighth best team in the playoffs in the West. We're the best. That's what you get for being the one seed. And Memphis was better than Golden State last night. And that's why they're playing. And it's a little bit like Dallas. Who are we rooting for? Dallas or Clippers? Like The better team's going to win by the time a seven-game series is over. I do think Golden State looked dead tired from their matchup the other day. Um, so I think that's um, the whole thing. Um, Carson says that Ursan Ilyasova will win us a playoff number. Any number on info at Dylan Brooks guarding Durant, uh, uh, Donovan? Yeah, Brooks is seven. Donovan went seven for nine, four of five from three, six of six from the line, and had four assists. He was not bothered uh, by Brooks. In fact, Grayson Allen did the best job of anybody on Donovan in the two games he played. Um, how does Jaron Jackson fit into this series? Is he a bad matchup for Bogey? He, I think he fits in the series in this way. He's a secondary rim defender, and the jazz, some of the Jazz players really exploited Donovan, really exploited Valanciunas. Well, interesting to see what they do because they now have a secondary rim defender that makes them a better defensive team than they've been otherwise. Now, Valen, uh, Jaron Jackson as a center has not been very successful, and so if you want to spread him out, Xavier Tillman is who Taylor Jenkins went to in the fourth quarter last night instead of that. So um, I think, you know, when you walk, when you see that, that tells you a little bit that they don't really think that, that those backup center minutes to Jaron Jackson are the best Jackson, you know, plays the four shoots it outside. He doesn't seem to be kind of on his game or the injuries have derailed his development a little bit, but it does give them a secondary room defender makes them even longer. And I, yeah, I think bogey driving to the basket and some of that stuff, the bigger problem bogey's going to have in driving the basket is that they are just, reach and grab and do all sorts of things like that. And they're, they, you know, fourth and leading deflections. They're going to have to take care of the ball. And if we turn it over, they get out and run. That's what they need to do. They've got to stay out of the half court. Um, um, uh, do you see Donovan having similar success than he had in the Grizzlies during the regular season? Maybe. I mean, there might, you know, I think a few of my numbers kind of said that the Jazz went and found some matchups on small, small pick and rolls they wanted. Some of my numbers said that maybe they tried to put John Morant in some things defensively. Um, and then Valanciunas is a big, huge body, but maybe a little bit more static. And so Donovan's able to to move around him the way he more than he would a mobile big. It would be the theory there. Um, it's playoff time. I don't not sure how much these stats matter. I may be up in the night. So you're telling me that my 16 hours of prep in the last 20 hours is actually totally useless. Thanks. I appreciate that, Darren. Maybe. Um, 
see, this is, I like this. Thank you for the content. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just playing with you. All right, getting ready to wrap this up. I do want to get to most of the questions. Um, show me the title. That's a long time out there. Uh, Doncic is cooking PG. PG, be interesting to see what he does in playoffs. He's been terrible for like the last two months. So it'll be super interesting to see what he does in the playoffs here. Uh, Dallas and the Clippers are 36-34 right now. I got to put this game on record so that I can go back and watch it. Um, who does Royce guard? I don't know. Royce did not do well against Morant during the regular season. And so do you put your best defender on Morant? I would think so. Um, but that, you know, d- those quick guards are not what Royce is great at. He's great when he's physically imposing. And so do you put him on Dylan Brooks and just take Dylan Brooks out of the game? Royce spent an incredible number this year, 38% of the time guarding the number one tier one offensive player, of the other team, Dylan Brooks is actually number two in the league at that. So the interesting part of this matchup is that, that these two teams have these guys that are completely designated to guard the number one offensive player. Mitchell cooked Brooks, Morant cooked O'Neal in the regular season. And so do these teams do something different? Do you put Brooks on Mike Conley and find someone else for Donovan? I don't know who that other person would be. Um, De'Anthony Melton is their be- probably their next best defensive player. I mean, you're going to start Brooks. So it gets really interesting um, in that regard. Um, we'll see how that works. Um, let's see if I can find any. Let's see. Um Will Rudy get the respect he deserves if the Jazz do well in the playoffs? So it's really interesting to me on that question. There's two things. What is the respect that Rudy deserves that he's not getting? He's going to win defense player of the year for the third time. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame by the time he's done, I think. He is probably going to get some scattering of most valuable player votes. Um, Like, should he get more MVP votes than Giannis? Um, So I'm I'm actually, like, I always... I kind of always think it's like the whole we deserve more respect thing I think is always kind of garbage. Like this whole season, we got it. We, every story in the country got written about us in the first month or two of the year when we had the number one seed. And then people didn't write about us a lot because they'd already written about us. Like the story had already been told. And then now they're right. Now Chris Maddox wrote a story about us again recently. And and there's been other stories. Like is that like but what you what, what I think fans really want is the national media to only cover their team. So how about you actually just listen to the local media that does cover your team and have Andy Larson and Tony Jones and Sarah Todd and Eric Walden and all these people and David James and Patrick Kinahan and listen to them who actually cover your team every day and me, frankly, and Ben Dowsett and Dan Clayton who does an amazing job. I don't even know where he lives anymore. Like you've got plenty of people that cover your team all the day. Why you give a damn what the national people said and whatever the stupid respect thing is you're worrying about. You know how you get respect? You go beat the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoff series, then you beat the LA Clippers in the playoff series, and then you match up in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers and get it going. But I, I don't get the respect thing everyone's looking for. We have the best record in the league. We got the one seed. Let's go, baby. Let's just go win and worry about ourselves. See ya. Woo! Playoffs ready. Ha! See ya. <laughs>